Hi, my name is Renita, and I am your host of the Be Your Own Kind podcast. My podcast aligns with idea of my blog of feeling comfortable with you. I'm excited to share topics and ideas with you today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey lovelies, how has everyone been doing during this new fall season? Me, I've been busy between my nine to five freelancing, blogging, juggling chairs. But seriously, it feels like I am doing a lot, but I must always remind myself to take the time and evaluate my mental health. Us women are good for that, right? Trying to fix and nurture the world while forgetting to preserve ourselves. Us brown girls tend to live up to that Wonder Woman persona that sometimes leaves us broken down instead of empowered. Sometimes we forget to feel or reach out to those that will pour back into us. So today I linked up with the creator of loudmouthbrowngirl.com and the podcast in Uncomfortable Conversations, Devin Hall, to discuss different facets of mental health in Black women and, matter of fact, all women as a whole. But before we get more into the topic, I have to remind you to visit beyourownkind.com to keep up with all new content and to check out the new BYOK merchandise. I also invite you to join my text community that allows us to chat about various topics. If you are not following me on social media, please do so to read and join the conversation pertaining to this theme or any theme. Also, don't forget to join me every Wednesday and Friday on live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Periscope as we discuss various subjects. I invite individuals to join my live to share their thoughts. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe. I'm always looking for guests on my podcast and would love, love to feature you. All links can be found below in the description box. As always, thank you for your continued support. Thank you for joining the Be Your Own Kind podcast. How are you today? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Devin J. Hall. I run loudmouthbrowngirl.com. I don't know how much of the story you know, but for your listeners, I got arrested having a panic attack two years ago on an airplane. And uh, the cop called me a loudmouth brown bitch. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. And I was like, you're going to regret that. He's like, what is that a threat? And I said, no, but it is going to be the most powerful brand in the world one day. And you are never going to forget my face. And I was so angry that when I came home, I just started writing about everything. Like if if you followed the site from the beginning, you saw a mental health breakdown like no other. I wrote about being raped by white supremacists. I wrote about being objectified by men. I wrote about uh, who raped me, when they raped me, how they were like, I, I hit nothing back. I was like, I'm done. I'm done being the angry black girl. And I'm, I'm going to start being the happy black girl. And I used it as a way to just verbally and literally vomit everything that I've been holding on to as a black woman or a mixed race woman all these years. And then I looked at it and I went, that may not have been the smartest idea. (laughs) So I took some of that stuff down and I revamped it and I thought, let me give it a year and just sort of see what it becomes. And it's just grown organically and it's been such a really cool experience. 
depression in the first place is not having an outlet i think one of the causes is not having an outlet so yeah that cop definitely saved my life because i was on a downward spiral and as angry as i am that he was racist and mean and rude and, and horrible in a terrible moment um letting all that stuff out like holding it in i was getting ready to end my life i was so close and I could feel it and psychologically I just needed like you said an outlet and that's what it's become great wow that's that's an awesome story um even though he was being an asshole it's it's great that he gave you a platform not only to to help you um release what's going on inside of you but for others to relate and know that they have a voice because I feel like you're reaching others you know with your platform um, I checked it out and I, I was really encouraged just just by reading you know some of your um, some of your literature that's on your website and I listened to an episode of your um, of your podcast and I was like wow how empowering is this so you know it was a blessing in disguise you know thank you for saying that because I didn't start this trying to help anybody I just needed a way to let the pain out and it's become like I've made friends all over the world. I joined a group on Facebook called um, Afro Canada Bud Sisters and today I wasn't feeling so great like I woke up and I was just crying my eyes out and I couldn't stop and Natalie Cox who runs the group, who started the group, she called me she was like alright what's up? Like what's going on? And it's it's it was such a blessing to have her do that for me because I've never had a friend call me up in the moment and be like, "What are you? what's going on? What are you going through? And I told her and she said, you got an interview today. She goes, ass out, tits up, straighten your back, fix your crown and say not to fucking day. And I was like, just like you're laughing now, that was what I needed. And so to hear that other people are resonating with my pain and, and with my success too. Um, it means the world to me. And I know everybody says that. And then like, you're like, yeah, whatever. They don't really mean it. But like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, somebody else gets it. And that just feels really cool. Well, thank you. I too was having one of those days. So I totally can resonate with how you felt. I took a took a personal day today just to clear my mind, you know, and I knew I had this interview. So I wanted to make sure that I was also, you know, in the, the right mindset and actually reading, <laughs> like researching you and, and reading your literature and listening to your podcast. That's why I said, literally, it touched me today. So you are the reason that <laughs> I'm upbeat <laughs> on the podcast. So how, you know, how amazing is that you know <laughs> so thank yeah. you for that um i know that you wanted to to touch on um mental health within the within black women um before we delve deeper into that i just wanted to ask you how do you think the pandemic has impacted people's mental health overall it's been crazy weird because there's some people who and rightfully have been completely devastated they've lost partners and parents children um, they've lost their jobs, they've lost their income, they've, they're millions and millions and millions of people are going to, excuse me, food banks and food programs, and they've never had to do that before, and so there's that side of it, and then there's a flip side, where there's people like me that are like, I'm gonna write a book, 
I got nothing better to do. Like, I'm not working. I'm dealing with my mental health right now. Um, and it's been a complete blessing because it's allowed me to say the things that I didn't know how to say before. And even like this year, I've considered starting a consulting business because like I got 20 years worth of experience blogging. I can help some people start some blogs and get them going and like, why not get paid for it instead of giving that away for free? You know, so it's added another layer. I started a clothing line. I'm working on a second book. Like for me, it's been a blessing. And then for some people, it's just been like a nightmare. So we talk about delving into mental health. It's completely changed my mental health. I'm happier now than I've ever been. Today was a rough day. But, like, I'm so focused on dealing with my mental health that I'm healing, right? right? So, and then there's other people that are just, like, they're devastated and they're shocked and they're shook and they don't know where to go or where to turn or how things are going to get better. So, you've got the mix of both and it's just fascinating from, like, a scientific point of view to watch how it's affected the world, you know what I mean? Yeah, because you you have that that one spectrum of oh I don't have distractions so I can really focus on me, and then you have that other oh my God I have no distractions now I'm stuck with me so it's it's pretty much perspective in my mind yeah. you know but it's not that's not so easy for others to just say perspective it's just some people that that need the distractions and we're depending on the distractions to get through what they had to you know to get through. You know, and going or leaving the house and going to work was sort of some people's peace because they don't have it at home. You know, so you have those people that that have turmoil at home and that are stuck with it like 24 7. So, yeah, I feel like 2020, 2021, and 2022, you're going to see so many books coming out. (laughs) Like people just releasing that stuff that they've been holding on to about the pandemic and the lessons they've learned and the, the gifts that they've received. Like the next three years solid is just gonna be self-help books coming out and like stories about the pandemic. I agree. I might yeah. be one of them. <laughs> this has been the most weirdly creative year. Like I don't I don't even know. And and this at the beginning of this year I was like, something's gonna happen this year and I really felt that it was gonna be war. And something in my head went, nope, nope, it's gonna be, it's gonna be pestilence. And I was like, no, no, oh, we're not gonna get, and sure enough, here we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's just no words. It isn't. I'm, I'm trying to think of something, but I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's like I have kids coming up in 20 years going, mm-hmm. what was it like to live through the pandemic? And the, there's just no words to describe what this year has been like that's true like you it, got it, the black lives matter you got the, the election it's just a lot <laughs> in one year you got the election you got proud boys proud boys are oh, yeah, gay now yeah Apparently, yeah like they're out and they're proud and they're gay and i'm like but they were white supremacists two weeks ago well that, that, that was the idea of it um the yeah. um, the L, I'm not going to say it right, the gay community thought that it was, um, it, it would have been, what were they trying to do? They were trying to switch the meaning of Proud Boys. So all this time, it's meant white supremacy. So by hashtagging Proud Boys for their community, it switches it to a lighter note. So it turned into like Which a is beautiful. type deal, right? But it's weird, right? Because like two weeks ago, the, the Proud Boys are white supremacists. 
Today, when you say the words Proud Boys, it means I am gay, my partner is gay, we have children, we have sex with each other, and it's like everything the Proud Boys hate is what we're now celebrating. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I think that was five words. Go for it. You <laughs> like, I see that was their point, but. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, everything is flipped on its ear and it's beautiful chaos. And I just, I'm excited. I'm, I'm cautiously excited to see what 2021 brings. Oh my God. And everyone's like, I can't wait for 2020 to end. I'm like, I think you might want to hold out because you don't know. That's what, what we said in 2019. And look, we are right. where we are now. I'm like, I can wait. I can wait. I'm in no rush. Right. I'm in no rush. So I love the fact, number one, that you chose Black Women's Mental Health because I've really been talking about that a lot on my platform, um, just from a personal experience I had in the um, medical industry earlier this year. Um, the stress that society perpetuates this strong Black woman ideal, which kind of means that we're incapable of feeling pain ever. You know, and it, it kind of hurts Amen. me. It's like a sword to the gut, like, oh, you've been through so much, you're so strong. Right. I don't want to be strong. I would like to be weak. I would like to curl up and cry until snot's bubbling into my own mouth and scream and yell and just be viciously angry that all these things happen. But I can't do that because if I do that, then I'm the angry black woman. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that is a major cause for mental health with Black women is there is no outlet. You cannot, even if you're expressing a small concern at work, it's like, oh, here she go. People scared of you because they think you're about to explode. Like, oh, here she go. You know, and it's like, no, I'm, I mean, I just would like you not to eat my apple you know, in the refrigerator. Like, why does it have to be so, you know, exaggerated that I'm angry? I just don't eat my stuff, you know? That's an example, but I'm just saying, it, it's always something so small with me, and then people step back and start trembling, and it's like, but I'm, I'm talking like this. I'm not even screaming. Yeah. I remember being told once not to get tattoos because everyone was like, you're already big and black and scary. The last thing you need is tattoos. And I was like, okay, shut the fuck up. Like, just shut the fuck up. Because I'm not, my intention is not to be big and black and scary. My intention is not to be anything other than who I am. And if you are seeing me as big and black and scary, you need to check your privilege and your arrogance and your racism. that's a racist thing when you look at a black woman and say you're angry and she's clearly not angry right you are participating in the in the racist patriarchy and like that's got to stop we got to stop doing that to each other and we got to stop doing it to to black women because it's not fair it's not and it's like other black women do it to black women so it's like everyone does It's, it's never a break from you know yeah so i think that's 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 what irks me the most. But I wanted to ask you, what do you think can be done to change that narrative? You know, and you'll hear this a lot in the black community. When we're brown girls growing up, and I don't, when I say brown girl, I mean, if you're light as me or dark as you or dark like Beyonce or Kelly Rowland or um, I can't think of her name right now, but she was on the cover of Vogue in the blue dress and she looked amazing. I can't remember her name right now. I think it's Olivia, but when we grow up as dark-skinned girls, right? 
it is expected that we code ourselves to behave the way that white people would behave to fit in. And so we learn to harbor resentment about the fact that we can't express ourselves. What can we do to change that? Let little black girls express how they're feeling. If they're angry, let them be angry. If they're sad, let them be cry. Let, let them cry. Like let little black girls know that it is okay to express their emotions and show them how to do it healthy. Like there's these rooms now that you can go to, you pay like 30 bucks, you get to smash stuff. That's awesome. I wish that I had thought about that. That is a million dollar idea. Black women should be building and buying these places up like there's no tomorrow. If anybody should go into a room and just smash whatever we want to smash, it should be black women, specifically. We should get a free license to go in there and smash stuff whenever we're angry, even if there's someone else in there. Because we have been told for centuries that we're not allowed to be angry. That we're not allowed to lash out, right? right? And I think it's time that we start normalizing the fact that we need to deal with these emotions. The reason that black women specifically have so many mental health issues is because they're not they're told they're not allowed to feel anything. Right. We're supposed to be dolls, we're supposed to dress up, look pretty, get the job done, make sure everybody else feels good, and then not say shit about how we feel. That's a lot to expect from one human being. It is. And to also like parent children. And so you have to hold that in too and and deal with the husband and deal with the work and deal with society and do it all with a smile. Yeah. And a pretty smile, no less. Oh yeah. Don't forget the pretty smile because we're Barbie dolls, right? Like look at Jada Pinkett and Will Smith's kids. They have been authentic from the very beginning. They've just been like, this is who we are. And people have constantly judged them for deciding that they didn't want to have a gender or deciding that they like girls or deciding they like boys or deciding they like being called they versus he or she. Right. Because that's weird. It's abnormal. No, it's not. It's perfectly normal. It's just not normal to you because you're not comfortable with who you are. Right. Exactly. These kids are growing up in the limelight saying, look at me, I'm weird. I'm a little bit oddball. I like to dye my hair even though I'm a black kid. I like to pierce my tongue, like whatever the case might be. And people are judging them for that. Why? Because it makes you uncomfortable. Right. But they're comfortable with themselves, which, like you said, makes everyone uncomfortable. It's like People don't like it when other people are happy. Right, but it's this message out there. Be yourself, you know, do you. All these affirmations circulating throughout the internet. And then when, like you say, someone does that, it's a threat or you get talked about, you know, or condemned for being comfortable with yourself. So, some yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. There's never a balance. No. I don't, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but do you think there ever will be a balance with that? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think black women and women of color, whether they're Mexican, Latino, Palestinian, Iranian, Indian, Jewish, they're not being quiet anymore. That is true. Like, look, the Women's March doesn't support black women, trans women, or gay women, right? But the very fact that the Women's March exists every year inspires black women, gay women, and trans women to believe in a world where they can have a voice. 
And so what's the result of that? You're seeing more gay women, more trans women, more colored women, more women, period, in politics, in um, entertainment, in news, in journalism. More of us are writing books, we're writing blogs, we're creating spaces where we can have these conversations. Um, a couple years ago, Natalie Cox was telling me she reached out to a bunch of marijuana companies and she said, hey guys, I smoke marijuana, I'm really tied into the black community, maybe you want to get us on board. That company is now out of business and Natalie Cox is starting to build her own business with a huge network of more than 400 women across Canada who are also building their own marijuana businesses and we're starting to take over an industry that made it clear they didn't want us. You can keep saying you don't want us, but the more you say no, the more little black girls grow up going saying, oh, screw you, watch me. And yeah, so I think it's gonna change. It's gonna take some time. Okay. Not gonna happen overnight. It's gonna take a century or two to write itself. But eventually, yes, black women will be where they belong again. Okay. And I say black women specifically because I'm a black woman and I want to encourage little black girls. Right. But the same could be said about Jewish women, Indian women, Palestinian, like Kamala Harris. Who saw that coming? No, I don't. I'm not familiar with that. Kamala Harris running for pres vice presidency. She's oh, Indian. That's her name. I just know she's a black candidate. <laughs> I feel bad. I don't know her she's name. Indian Jamaican. <laughs> Who saw that coming? I did. Right. <laughs> Own dollars to donors that Michelle Obama would have run before I saw any woman in the VP office right <clears throat> let alone in the white house period like nobody saw that coming so it's going to happen that women of color are going to have a place in this world where we matter right but we're gonna have to fight for it and we're gonna have to make space for each other and we're as kamala says when we open that door to success we have to bring other women with us we can't leave them behind right Maybe I need to learn our uh, future vice president's name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what was that? <laughs> it's okay. Not I know, but I'm like, not everybody is clued into politics, man. Not everybody can. I watched the debate and everything, though. Like, and I, I call myself. I just know she's the black. I'm like, oh, it's a black lady. I don't even think I even cared to learn her name. I'm just like, oh, she's black. I'm for her. You know, like that's that's okay. how it was. You know what? The Green Party out here just—they just elected um, a black woman as their leader. I don't know her name either. Mm. So there you go. <laughs> <coughs> now I know. Um, so I listened to your um, your powerhouse women of social media feminism episode um, on your comfortably uncomfortable conversation podcast, which is dope. You guys need to check that out. Um, one of your speakers um, that was. Um, excuse me, a white woman mentioned that she noticed the difference in how a man spoke to her versus a black woman. And I found it interesting when she said she believed that men literally are mentally checking a box when they approach a woman, uh, whether she's lesbian, black, etc., when deciding his approach towards her. With this concept in mind, what do you think is the stereotypical list um, of a black woman? Oh my God. Okay, first of all, that's a really hard question. <laughs> but secondly, I was talking about this with, with Natalie today and 
one of the things that she says is that there is no stereotype anymore because the stereotype used to be and this was when i was growing up in british columbia it was like oh you're brown but you're not indian brown you're tupac brown so that's more acceptable in british columbia than being indian brown there's a lot a lot of like a ton of racism about indian people and their culture which is different than to clarify for your audience when i say indian i mean india as opposed to um first nations or aboriginal peoples um so there's like a ton of racism white people specifically do not like the indo-canadian community out here and i think it's because there's so many of them whereas there's less of us black people so we're more acceptable um i think the stereotype is we're skinny we're beyonce we all can sing we're all beautiful you know what i mean like it's 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 that ideal what's acceptable as a black woman whereas where natalie is and where i'm kind of at the stereotypes don't apply to us anymore because we don't all listen to rap music i love rizza don't get me wrong i think the man's a genius but i don't listen to his music very often and when i do it's usually because i'm writing about somebody being murdered it's not because i'm writing something inspirational do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i listen to leonard skinner i love leonard skinner i don't care what anyone says home sweet home alabama best song in the world i don't give a crap what no one says there's no song on the planet that beats that that record um so the stereotypes excuse me the stereotypes that we used to live by don't apply to us anymore because of this digital age that we're living in now the stereotypes that we were used to don't apply because we have access to so much more information so like we're we're m- more well read than our our older generations sure. we're better educated than our our older generations because if we can't find the information in a classroom we'll find it on the internet. So I don't think that there is such thing as a stereotypical black woman anymore. I think the idea that there is a stereotypical black woman in is in of itself interestingly is ironically racist alone. Does that make sense? It does. It does. That was a great answer. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I don't even have commentary after that. That was a girl that had a good answer. Good, because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, no, that's something to think about. I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah. I think we think that there's a stereotype because we think that we're supposed to fit into this ideal, but like, who's to say what the ideal is? For some people, it's Rihanna. For other people, it's Beyonce. For me, it's friggin' both of them because I think they're amazing. Like, I think they're both human living goddesses that we will worship one day as actual gods. Do you know what I mean? Like, there isn't a stereotype anymore. Unless you're a racist. <laughs> so if you, if you are segmenting things in your mind, then you're already a backwards thinker. That's right. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um... I peruse through your um, through your website, uh, loudmouthbrowngirl.com. That's correct. 
That's and right. I love it. Um, and in one Thank of your you. passages, um, I don't know if, I think it's your most recent passage, there's a quote that says, I've been sitting here trying to prepare myself to have a conversation about my mental health and my marijuana use with women from across the continent who knows what it feels like to be broken down and shamed by abuse. And I agree that society has a way of making women feel like what happens to them is their fault. That's what I got out of that. You know, like you're the one that's getting abused. However, you're hiding and you're in shame. You're ashamed for being, you know, maltreated. So with this concept in mind, what advice or tools could you present to women to help them know that they didn't deserve what happened to them? Look in the fucking mirror and say, I didn't deserve this shit. Awesome. Do you know what I mean? Like, 10 years ago, that would have been absolutely impossible for me to say. Mind you, 10 years ago, I couldn't say the words, I was raped by white supremacists for half of my life either. I didn't have the language to say those words. I didn't know how to say those words out loud because I was still in such a state of shock. Um, tips and tricks to teach yourself that you don't, you didn't deserve to be abused. Abuse is not about punishment. It's about control. And when we are being abused, this is not a choice that we're making. I didn't grow up going, gee, mom, I hope I get raped when I get older. I grew up, mom, I want to be a writer when I grow up. I knew I wanted something to write about. And I guess rape is as good as anything to write about when that's your experience, really. But that doesn't mean that I wanted to be raped. Right. Even if it's a sexual fantasy, and it used to be a sexual fantasy that I have, the idea of being raped in like a, a bondage scene, for instance, you still have that level of control because you can say to your partner, no. When it's a rapist, which is different than having a, a themed sexual fantasy with your partner, when it's a rapist, you don't have a choice. You're not being given an option. You're not being asked if this is what you want. It's being done to you. Right. And that's the thing that we have to remember. There's a difference between having a consensual, loving, rough sex fantasy play out with your trusted partner and then being raped. Those two are not the same thing. And the sooner that you learn to remind yourself of that over and over and over again, and sometimes it takes me a thousand times a day to say, I didn't choose this. I didn't want this. I don't deserve this. I did it last night. I was bawling my eyes out and I was like, I'm miserable and the world hates me and nobody gets my writing and I'm all alone and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't deserve to feel like this. It's a hellscape of our own making, right? And I'm not saying that depression is your fault. I'm saying that there are ways to remind yourself that you don't deserve to feel like that. And I can, as I say that, I hear a little part of myself go, yes, I do. No, you don't. That is the training that comes from being abused. That is the voice of your abuser. And the voice of your abuser has no right to have power in your life unless you choose, once you're aware of it, 
to continue to let your abuser have power. But there does come a time when it's a choice. I can choose to be miserable. I can choose to write about my pain and talk about what I'm going through and reach out to my friends and family and look in the mirror and say, I don't fucking deserve this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. That's the right answer. Right answer. Um, uh, for each episode, um, I have a, a Be Your Own Kind staple question. And that question is, if you could describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Oh, come on, really? <laughs> Damn. I don't know. That's a good question. That's like an essay question. <laughs> That's a college essay question. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with brown because brown is such a mixture of colors and of emotions and feelings. Like it's warm and it's chocolate and it's um, love and coffee and all the wonderful things. It's brown people, it's color, it's all those wonderful things. I think I'm gonna go with brown. Brown, okay. Plus it's it's in my my word description. (laughs) 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 That I'm a brown girl. Nice, nice. Is there anything else you want to share with us? Any upcoming events? Anything like that? Upcoming events? Um, I'm working on a new book, actually, which is cool because this book, I'm taking my time. Uncomfortable. When I wrote that one, I was like, let me just get everything out in case they kick down my door and kill me. I was so paranoid that I was going to die before I got the chance because I've been through so much Uh and I've been hurt so much and I've been abused so bad that I'm like, if I don't do it right now, they're going to kill me and then I'm not going to get the chance because I talked about everything I wasn't supposed to talk about. So let me rush and rush and rush and get it done. Um, And don't get me wrong, like I'm proud of that book because I wrote it and it's mine and it's my baby. But I'm more excited about this one because I'm being a lot more intentional with how I write it and I'm taking my time and I'm not stressing. Okay. And I'm enjoying the process more. So this one's gonna be called I'm Still Talking. Okay. Because apparently I never shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. Like, once the once the bottle was open and everything came out, I just forgot how to stop talking. <laughs> and that's good, because when you're silent for so long, you do have a lot to say. That's right. And the fact that you know that no one can shut you up, that's the empowerment right there. Well, that's the thing. And I think um, when you've been abused, regardless of the skin color that you have, that you wear, you get to this place, like so many people are like, I could never write a book because nobody would care what I have to say. That's actually not true. I sold 18 copies of my book. I didn't think I'd sell three. Like, come on. 18 copies to me is like a million copies to J.K. Rowling. That's everything to me. That means more to me than anything. Because that means 18 people from India to Australia to the U.S. to Canada support my writing. Right. So you never know how important your story is going to be. Right. What is your first book about? What is it entitled? And where can we find it? I didn't smoke enough weed today, apparently. I didn't get the cough, so... Um, the first book is called Uncomfortable. It's available through a link on my website to Amazon. Okay. And it's it's mostly just, like, 
I feel like it was like this mental shutdown where all I did was just write. I wrote about Trump. I wrote about being a black woman. I wrote a letter to my dad. It's a little bit all over the place. It's, um, somebody said, and I thought that was funny. They were like, it's a bit like a coloring book because it's so big. I was just looking for it. Mm -hmm. Oh, here it is. This is it, right? And it's, it's called uncomfortable. So when I was designing it, I was like, I don't want this to be a little pocketbook. Like my friend Trisha's book fits in my back pocket of my jeans. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's uncomfortable. So I want the book to be uncomfortable. <laughs> and they were like, it's a bit like a coloring book. And I didn't feel like giving it away because it needs to be edited. And I'm like, it's on the front cover, man. Right. Like pay attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I'm, uncom- I'm unconventional that way. Like. My writing is throw vomit at a wall and just see what comes out of it. And it's a beautiful collection of essays. Uh, Kim Rhodes, I don't know if you ever watched Supernatural, but she wrote the back piece to it. She's like this cool demon slaying vampire hunter. And she's amazing. And she's through the writing of the book, she's become a really good friend. Um, So it was neat because even though it was an unconventional book, having my friends participate in the writing of it was sort of like full circle moment. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're out there and you think that nobody's gonna care about your story or your voice, really in the time of COVID, if you're not working, what are you doing with your time? Right. Create something, something. Because you have no idea who in the world needs to and like, we're all connected. You got YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like, we're all connected. Use this time to create something the world needs. Right. You know? Let that be your compass. Because it's a beautiful feeling. And I'm telling you, the next three years, you're going to see so many people being like, this is what I learned in COVID. You know what I mean? Like, so you might as well jump on the train now because lots of people are going to be buying up those books and those stories. That's true. That is so true. Um, and then there's going to be all those people going, man, I wish I had done something during COVID. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Be the guy that, like, writes the book that, like, the little brown girl inside that you needs to, to see. Be that chick. Don't be the guy that says you wish you had done something during COVID. Hmm. Auntie Devon will smack you. It won't Why really. Are you talking to me? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's good advice. No, I'm like, are you working on anything special? Um, I am. I did start a book about self-care, and then I just stopped for the last couple of months. So that's why I said I feel like you're talking to me. Like tonight, I'm. I am talking to you. Yeah, you are. <laughs> what are you waiting on? <laughs> Nothing. Watching Netflix. Hey, so serious question right. though, because I I always wonder about this when people tell me that they can't write a book. When you decided to stop writing for a little while, what were you thinking? Well, to be honest with you, um, I had an idea about um, self care when I started it, and the more I was writing about it, the more I realized how less that I took care of myself. So I realized maybe I don't know as much as I do about it. Okay, so here on the flip side, what if you turn that around and wrote like and and titled it something like 
the th- don't be like me or do the opposite of what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you just got honest with like, don't focus on how can I help other people when you're writing about yourself. Focus on, and I say this from experience, and I like the fact that I can say this from experience is a bit shocking to me. But um, write as if you're writing to yourself. You have answers to mental health and to self-help. You know what the answers are. Just because you're not doing them doesn't take away from the fact that you know what the answers are. Well, that's what I did because I, when I started, because I started it, I think last year, and I realized I don't know what I'm talking about. So I started researching it and actually implementing some of those self-care things in my life. So the book is kind of talking about what I've learned and what I'm doing and how it, it helped me feel and how it could help you too. Like I had to break down just what it even meant to for self-care and it's more than a pedicure, a manicure. You know, like what so does much it more mean? Than that. Yeah, what does it mean to really take care of yourself so that's where the pause came in and then a couple of months ago when i learned that part i wrote about it and then i'm gonna pause again (laughs) but see that's the thing though it is more than the pedicure and the manicure but sometimes the pedicure and the manicure are exactly what you need that's true you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. don't discount that stuff just because it's not like a big self-care thing it's still a part of self-care right because there is that that argument of like if i feel pretty like my look my mom's in a wheelchair right and she and i both deal with mental health issues and i say to her all the time like why if you live in a wheelchair are you wearing six inch heels and she goes because i can because i don't have to walk in them i can still feel beautiful and i'm like damn if i didn't have to walk i'd probably be wearing six inch heels too But I, my ass has to walk, so I'm gonna wear runners. You know what I mean? Like, right. that little stuff, it piles up. And so just because you don't have the answers to the big questions, doesn't mean you don't have answers to some of the little ones. And sometimes I gotta, I look down at my toes and I'm like, no, I don't need a pedicure. It's, it's COVID, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing any, yeah, I need a pedicure. Cause my feet are looking ratchet. They're looking ugly and I don't feel good about myself. And then all of a sudden I paint my toes gold and I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Oh, look at that. I'm the sexiest thing on earth. And I'm not, but I feel like I am. You know what I mean? So don't discount, please don't ever do that because I feel like you have a lot to say, especially with doing this podcast. You've learned some things. Yeah. And, and, and just with the hair, I, be, I I'm at home all the time. I work from home, and so I just started getting my hair done just because. And but it feels like, good, right? Yeah, it's like you're not going anywhere. Yeah, but I just like to feel cute. At least let my yeah. hair, you know, be braided up and nice while I'm in the house. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. know how many women like have just gone back to work and they're like, I get to wear the cute outfits and I'm like, and they're taking more time and they're enjoying it again. Because it's not just a matter of getting dressed up for work. It's a matter of like, I want to feel good and powerful and presentable. And they're they're actually taking the time to enjoy the process of getting dressed in the morning again. Like we've become more appreciative because of COVID-19. And that's a big part of our mental health, right? Is acknowledging the reason that I wasn't, because you're used to it. When you're used to getting dressed up all the time, it's not that big a deal. 
when you go eight months without being able to get dressed up and you finally are, you're like, yeah, the shoulders go back a little bit. This is nice. Boobs <laughs> come up a little bit. Like when I get to wear a bra, I'm like, oh yeah. Don't get me wrong, when I take it off, I'm excited. I'm thrilled when I get to take that bra off. That's the best but part the, of the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, sometimes I wear a bra just to wear a bra because I don't have to anymore. I'm not working from anywhere but home. You know what I mean? So yeah, all that little stuff, it piles up and it piles up into knowledge. And that knowledge is power and it's it's a gift and it must be shared. If you are a writer, you have to share your story. It's the only way that you get to be a writer. Thank you. Thank you for that advice. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a reminder to myself too, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I guess um, I was so focused on, I guess, I don't want to say censoring myself, but just, I just wanted to help people. Like that's that's my main idea of writing the book. It's just being a help to someone else. So I didn't be authentic. That's the only thing writing, like truly great writing requires that you are authentic. Whether it's a fiction story or a non-fiction story or a book about Christianity, um, which I don't read because... Um, but as long as you are authentic, right? And that's what I think makes Loudmouth work is, yeah, I, I preach a lot on that website about how you should be and who you should be or who, who, how to, how to find where you are. But I also talk a lot about the fact that sometimes I don't necessarily follow my own advice. I know and I that's what resonates with people. Those are the times people are like, yep. Been there too. I don't follow my own advice. You know what I mean? And those are the times that I get the most views when I'm like, this is how Devin's doing. That's the most, that's when I'm like, oh, I got a hundred people checking out the fact that I fucked up today. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> the audience gets bigger when you realize it, like when people realize you're not perfect because they're waiting for you to mess up. That's what it is. I've discovered this. Is that a way of okay. um, relating to you or? I don't know, man. Hmm. You Like if you ask me why people relate to me, I don't get it. I really don't. I'm like, it's not, it's, I alternate between I'm the most original person in the world because I got arrested for having a panic attack and like try and beat that one. Um, like who gets arrested for a panic attack of all things? You know, I never heard that before. That, when you first said it, I'm like, well, what's the offense? <laughs> when I first told my tattoo artist, he was like, oh, you're kind of a badass. I was like, no, 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 no. I got arrested because I couldn't breathe. He was like, yeah, that's a new one. Um, but when people relate to me, it's because I'm flawed. Because I'm not perfect. I'm a brown girl who's had a hard life. Name a brown girl who hasn't had a hard life. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what people relate to. And when I mess up, it's that moment of like, oh, okay, cool. This person that I admire, she's not perfect. And she's living in that imperfection. And that's what I think people connect to the most because people want to see their heroes fall so that they can be like, I can fall. I can make a mistake. It's not going to be the end of the world. Chris Evans, who is the most beautiful man on the planet, 
posted a photo of himself naked. And the world lost its shit. All of a sudden, Gwyneth Paltrow is posting a photo of herself naked. You know what I mean? Like, people make mistakes. I don't necessarily think it was a mistake. He does. I'm a little sad I didn't see it. Not gonna lie. I'm trying to be respectful and not look for it, but I kind of want to see it. Right. <laughs> and, th- and that's why I started the platform in the first place, because I feel like everyone is trying to fit this checklist of how to be perfect. And I'm like, all of that energy can be spent with just being yourself. You know, and, you know, and this platform kind of saved my life because I was struggling with that. And the more that I talk about being yourself, the more I realize there's some things that I need to edit to be more, be my own kind. You know what I'm saying? So it's actually been therapeutic um, having this platform because it is pushing me to be more transparent and saying, hey, I don't know everything, you know, and I'm trying to find my way just like everybody else, you know. But then you got to flip that. You got to go, I don't know everything, but here's what I do know. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know everything. I don't have the answers for your life. But I know that if you don't sit down and write that book, it ain't going to get written. Facts. (laughs) Mic drop. Right. What you got got now? Nothing. There you go. You don't write it, ain't nobody gonna write it for you. And you could get a ghostwriter, but it's their voice, not your voice. And like, when I started this converse, the the podcast, I didn't start it because I wanted it to be a part of the brand. I started it because I was alone and I was scared. And I was like, we're in the middle of a pandemic and I ain't got no friends because I cut everybody out of my life and, and I needed to. I need to have some conversations, but I'm gonna get Zoom. Like, Zoom saved my life. Mm. Paying for that 20-month subscription, man, doing the podcast, like you said, you found your voice. Right. And I knew I had a voice, and I just wasn't... I was using it through the blog, but, like, it wasn't enough. I needed other people to be like, yeah, I hear you, I feel you, let's have a conversation about it. Right. Let's 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 talk about the things like this the fear. Aren't you afraid? Like just you personally, Renita? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cause death is coming, man. Like it's swift. It's going after everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I needed to be able to voice that. And um I couldn't I couldn't do that just through the blog. There's only so many times you can say, I help, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, before you finally have to go find like go find a facebook group man there are so many good facebook groups out there there's black girls right too oh yeah part of that one are you i think that's how you found me i think so there's like there's there's so many girls in that group Mm -hmm. like you you can't tell me there's nobody to talk to that's true there's somebody out there you just gotta go find them you have the map you know how to use a facebook it's not that hard. You click join, you answer the questions. What's stopping you? And I say this to the people going, well, I can't do that because I'm shy. Get over it. You can be shy and miserable or you can take that leap and try and find somebody that you can connect to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm shy and miserable is not an excuse. 
Well, actually, it is an excuse. Yeah, I'm like, say it is an excuse. <laughs> it is an excuse, but like, it, it's not, it's a, not a good thing. excuse. Right, right. If you're shy, I understand that you're shy. Write a blog and do it anonymously. I had no idea the effect that Lama Brongo was going to have on me. None. And I'm not saying that like I'm making a million dollars because I'm not, but I will one day. Yeah. Because I can see the growth of it because I. I try. I was terrified when I'm like, they're gonna kick down my door and kill me. Like they're they're never gonna let me say these things. Well, I said them. I'm still here. What's the question that I ask myself every day is, what's the worst that can happen? And then I run through the scenarios. Yeah. Well, they could kick down my door. They could decide to kill me for talking about being raped by white supremacists. But while I'm waiting for that to happen. Let's see what I can say in the meantime before they can stop. You know what I mean? Like, you got to get to that place where you're just not afraid anymore. And yeah, sure, there's a lot you don't know scientifically about self-help. I don't know anything about self-help. I didn't go to college. But I know it works for me. Right. And so when you have that very first person come to you, and you will have that person come to you and say, your book changed my life. You're going to sit there and be like, why? <laughs> like, really? Thanks. <laughs> the first time someone came to me, they were like, you're part of my healing journey now. And I was like, really? You know I wrote that book high, right? Like in five days, I was high. I was higher than Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Like Tupac ain't ever been as high as I was when I wrote that book. But it helped you? Okay. Cool. I guarantee you it's going to happen. And you're going to have the same reaction. You're going to come to me and you're be like, okay, Devin. You were right. <laughs> now I get it. No, you're not going to say I was right. You're going to say now you get it. Because there's just this switch that happens and you're just like, there's a responsibility that comes with that too, though. When someone says you're part of my healing journey, you're like, damn. Better get my shit together. <laughs> That's how I felt when I started writing. Like, who am I to tell somebody? Let me I let, 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 let them down. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it. Do it. It's so worth it. Like, cause I get to have this conversation with you. I haven't laughed in all these podcast interviews that I've done, and like ones I've done for other people or ones I've done for myself. I haven't laughed like this. And I started today in tears, like, the world hates me. I'm never going to be a good writer. I can't do it again. Blah, 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 blah. And then Nicole called me. She's like, shut the fuck up. Like, your life is not that bad. It's okay. You're going to be fine. And here I am, and I'm having this great conversation, and I'm laughing my ass off with you, and I'm like, okay. Okay, maybe life's not that bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? But that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't taken the very first step and started LMBG. Now, 15 years from now, you're going to see me on Live with Kelly and whoever, because Kelly will still be there and she'll outlive any pod or any person that comes near her. Trust me. She's going to be like Regis there till she's almost dead. And I'm going to be on that show and you're going to be like, I interviewed her first. And The View and CNN. You're going to see me one day. And you're gonna be like, I interview her first, and then it's gonna be your turn, and on and on it's gonna go, right? So to answer your question from way back, is there gonna come a time where 
um, brown girls have a voice that matters, it's now. Now is that time. Because now is the time we can start building the foundations of our platforms for the future. And if you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you have a platform. You have people that follow you on social media, use that. Build your audience so that it can be your turn to be on live with Kelly and whoever the hell she's outlived the next time around. You, you laugh, just watch. She's gonna be there till she's 80. <laughs> going nowhere. Because it's true. <laughs> that woman, that woman is aging like the world's finest wine. She's going nowhere. Nope. I can talk about this interview when I'm on that show. <laughs> It's been a pleasure talking to you, ma'am. Oh, it's been great talking <laughs> to you, man. Awesome. I love you. We yeah. gotta stay in touch. Yes, we definitely do. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for this conversation. You're encouraging me. Now I got a book to write. And I just yeah, thank, you you for, <laughs> thank you for your words. And you're such a beautiful person. Thank you. Know, you. I just, I just want to let you know that. And hopefully you can be back on the show in the future. So Anytime. Yeah, yeah. I have all yours. I like. I genuinely enjoyed this experience. Yeah, same here. And you, you take it easy, and you continue to have a great day. Thank you. You too. All right then. Thanks again. Bye, everyone. Don't forget to be your own kind. Thank you. Bye.